You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. All right, this is Adam Griffin. And before we get to our guest, let me first introduce my lovely co-host, Miss Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm good. You can't see it, but I got bangs. Whoa. I have them clipped back right now because I couldn't figure out with the headphones, but I did get bangs this weekend. Well, technically, I shave my bangs every week. Yeah, I'm still working them out, though. But (laughs) what an honor to have with us today, Cassie. Ray Ortland on the show. How are you today, Ray? I'm well. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you for letting me in the door. (laughs) The digital door is open for you anytime. Oh, for sure. Ray, our friend, our mutual friend Gina just told me that you are recording an audio Bible. What's it like to be the voice of the Bible? Wow. It's, oh my goodness. Yeah. I feel incredibly, at one level, uncomfortable doing this. I feel unworthy. Um, especially when I was reading the gospel narratives of our Lord's death. Mm. And uh, so I I, I feel so incredibly privileged to do this. Yeah. And I'm just, I keep praying, Lord, help me to do my best, you know? Mm. Well, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. What a privilege to get somebody out there is going to, plug into an audio Bible one day and they're going to hear your voice recording the words that'll never pass away. It's going to be so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ray, we're so honored to have you on with us today. For those who may not know you, those maybe only know you though as pastor or author, can you tell us a little bit about Ray Ortland, the husband and the father, since our podcast is really about spiritual leadership in the home. First, can you tell us what is your family like? <laughs> well, I'm their biggest fan. I mean, don't expect an objective answer to that great question. Because <laughs> it just gives me a chance to boast about my amazing wife and kids. Yeah. But like every family, we have, we're, we're this convergence of flaws and our flaws mm-hmm. and God's grace. Yeah. And great things happen when those two things get together. Um, I, if I were to sum up my family, I mean, I could rave about them at length, but if I could sum it all up, I would say my family, as we shared those precious years together, which flew by too quickly, hmm. um, what we tried to do by God's grace, we, we tried to be a Christian family yeah. where Jesus came first. We tried to be, secondly, we tried to be a human family. Hmm where we're honest, realistic, and we have fun doing life. I love it. And thirdly, we wanted to be a productive family. We wanted to do well in school and, and, and improve the house and, yeah. um, and wash the car. And you just you know, do these things that take us from one level to the next as we, as we journey through life. So we wanted to be a Christian family, a human family, a productive family. That's great. I love that. How many kids do you guys have? Four. Four kids. Yeah, wow. three three guys and a precious young lady. Oh, wow. That's so great. I okay, love my sons. I love my sons, but I adore my daughter. <laughs> yes. I love it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we have three daughters, and it was very fun watching my husband just kind of melt after yeah. each one was born a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, if your kids, if we ask your kids and wife about you, what kind of man would they describe? I have no idea. I, that's just Let's get him on here. Awkward. <laughs> um, I, I hope they would say two things. I hope they would say, one, um, my dad loves me and he loves us. And I hope, secondly, I, I would want the answer. I hope the answer would be simple. 
you know, not mm. not fancy. Mm. I hope my uh, th- my dad loves me, and my dad loves the Lord. Yeah. If if those two things stand out, and if they're unmistakable and undeniable, imperfect but clear, okay, yeah. then uh, I I would be very happy if, in fact, that's what they said. I love that. That's great. So this podcast is about spiritual leadership in the home and just trying to encourage families towards leading their children and leading their home um, as disciples of Jesus. And so when you were a new dad, what influences did you look to? What did you and Janie look to for like how to lead your home? Well, it's a great question. And actually, I feel very privileged to to answer that because um, I had the advantage of having a fantastic dad. Mm. Um, my dad was the greatest man I've ever known. Oh man. Oh yeah. I I mean, I, I feel like God wasted a great dad on a knucklehead like me. (laughs) And he honestly, guys, he, he was, he was, he was saintly. He Mm. was human and fun. He Mm. was honest. He was athletic. He was handsome. I mean, just, (laughs) and, and the best part of it all, he did not know he was amazing. Mm. Wow. My dad struggled his whole life long with feelings of inferiority, feelings mm. of outsiderness. Wow. And so forth. And insecurities and inadequacies. But in fact, he was just amazing. For example, I really knew, I, I never wondered if, if I mattered to my dad. Wow. When I was in high school, my dad came to all my high school football games. He was the loudest voice up in the stands. <laughs> huge fan of the Blair High School Vikings. And he even came to some of our practices. And uh, and he was a busy pastor. I mean, this was a church of a couple of thousand people. And there I would be at practice on some weekday afternoon, and there was my dad over on the side. Wow. Amazing. And a legacy. That's amazing. Totally. And and uh, here, here this is this is insane what my dad would do. When my dad, my busy dad, felt unsatisfied in his own heart, in his own conscience that he'd had enough time with me, like on a Sunday night after a busy week, he would say to me, Skip, how would you like to skip school tomorrow? How would you like to cut classes and go to the beach? Oh, that's epic. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a I life goal. I didn't struggle with that question. I said, yeah, I let's love go. it. Yeah. So I would, I would not go to school. We'd go down to the beach, play football and body surf and just have time together. Wow. And then he'd write a note for me for Tuesday morning, which I would take to the office. And he would say, I, I felt that I hadn't had, had enough time with my son. So I took him out of classes to go to the beach. Yeah. And they would always mark it unexcused. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't care. No, of course he didn't. <laughs> And, he's a good dad. And I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew my dad deeply, deeply, sincerely cared about me. And yeah. I, was, I, was not, uh, I was not part of the luggage or baggage he was yeah. carrying along. So. Well, the way you describe your dad is the way I hope every guy listening to this podcast hopes that one day their sons yeah. get to describe them, their daughters get to describe them. It sounds like your dad... Uh, had a profound influence, not only on your life, but I mean, on the generation that you get to lead now. When you think about the role that you get to play, kind of filling the shoes of the spiritual leader that your dad was for you, 
What are some of the favorite things that stick out to you as you've gotten to play the role of a spiritual leader in in your home? What mm. conversations, what memories kind of stir it up for you with your mm. kids? Yeah. Well, there are, of course, the obvious basics that every Christian dad will will just want to build out and, you know, diplomatically, gently insist upon. Like going to church every Sunday. Yeah. Getting up on Sunday morning and deciding whether or not to go to church. <laughs> That's not an option. That doesn't build greatness for the next generation. Yeah. Ambiguity, uncertainty, undecidedness doesn't build magnificence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we just made, you know, we going to church every Sunday, tithing from all income. In my own home, my dad and mom, of course, didn't talk about that, but I'm not stupid. And after a few years, <clears throat> I, I realized that um, my family, my dad and mom tithed. And and if things were going to be tight toward the end of the month, we just tighten our belt and, and, you know, we put Jesus first. Yeah. So just obvious basics. But I, I remember one thing we did as a family that was really fun one year. We were living in Scotland. I was doing my PhD over there. We knew we were going to be back in the States during the summer um, with our home base in the L.A. area. So we knew we were going to take the kids to to Disneyland, right? Mm. But we didn't tell them that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Said, I okay. learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah. We said, if, if, you know, we are, let, what if we memorize one verse from every book of the Bible? One key verse as a family. If we do that, We'll take you kids to Disneyland this summer. Come on. Yeah. That's so great. I love it. Yeah. And so Jenny made these big flip charts, you know, took a marker pen and, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1 and so forth, right through the whole Bible. I love it. And 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 we had a blast in Disneyland too. (laughs) Ray, can you go back? I want to hear more about the church attendance because that is something— and this is off script, so I apologize. Yeah, but that yeah. is something we're seeing coming out of the pandemic. We're just seeing that that it was already being prioritized less and less. I mean, I think there are studies saying out that the average family, at least in our city, maybe the average church family in America attends twice a month. And then we even saw that drop down to like once a month after the pandemic, even after we're back in, you know, gathering in person. Oh. And so I would just love for you to encourage, like for parents listening that maybe struggle with prioritizing that. I mean, now there's even sports on Sundays here, which I didn't think I would see the day that that happened, but there's all sorts of other things interrupting and trying to take that time. And I would just love for you to speak a word of encouragement to our families who are listening about why the gathering on Sundays is an important commitment to make. Yeah. Uh, I believe, thank you for asking that question. It's really significant. I believe that there, it is tragic when a man of God is hard to read. Hmm. And it is glorious when a man of God is easy to read. Mm. And we, we can get it wrong. We can drive into the ditch on either side of this road that we're on. On the one hand, a, a dad, a Christian dad can be easy to read, but he's kind of harsh and, and dogmatic and demanding and, mm. and formidable and so forth. That's a mistake. That's a serious mistake. On the other hand, a dad can be spineless and ambiguous and half-hearted for Jesus. Okay, that's a tragedy too. There is a third way where a dad 
has given himself, he's given himself to Christ, not holding back. He has hurled himself at the grace of Christ. And what he longs for with a joyous heart is for his kids to join him in that profound devotion to Jesus. Uh, one of the, this, this world uh, is, is described in two ways in the book of the Revelation. It's described as this great, big, scary beast, you know, that's going to come growling and snarling and, and it's going to eat us alive. It's also described as a whore who can seduce us oh. and make life so comfortable and one little compromise after another, and pretty soon we've lost our way, and we are in her arms. Mm. Okay. Both are true. Both are real. Both are dangerous. Yeah. And a Christian dad can, by God's grace, for his glory, have the eyes to see both the scariness of the beast and the allurements of the whore turn away from both and say to his, his kids, hey, kids, let's go this way hmm. and lead them, and which includes just for starters, for crying out loud, going to church every Sunday. Come on. Yeah. 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 I mean, anyway, where, where else would you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. Staying at home, scrolling Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it just feels like the, um, there have been a lot of people It's like, well, I can, we can follow Jesus and not be a part of the church and not be a part of the gathering on Sundays yeah. and like, you know, yeah. and anyway, and so that's just, I'm, we're just hearing kind of more and more of that. And there's always, there's always reasons. There's always. Yeah, show, me, show me one verse in the new Testament where that's how right. the early Christians live. Plus right. sometimes, and my dad was great at this. He was so gentle and winsome, but there were times when my dad looked at me when I had some crazy notion, like <laughs> what, why do we have to go to church? And he just said, well, he gently, diplomatically, in a manly way, put his foot down and said to me, bud, we're a Christian family. Yeah. This is how we roll. Here we yeah. go. Come on. Hey, friends, it's March, and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. 
When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards. This is, we talk that kind of language in our house all the time, but this is what, this is what Christians do. Uh, you know, my, my sons, uh, me as a pastor, sometimes I will be tempted to apologize to my kids for how much we are doing for the people of the church or how much time it takes. And yeah. I told them just a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm tempted to apologize, but I just need to remind you, this is what, this is what the Griffin family does. We yeah. serve yeah. people and we're giving to people and we're, we're pouring our lives out for others. So that doesn't mean that we're always going to be home mm-hmm. watching every game you want or playing every game you want. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to be out there. Well, and for us, we talk about how we're a forgetful people. So without that gathering, you know, and like missing one and then it's easier to miss it. It was just like the gym in the, on, you know, Monday morning or whatever. It's like, you want that first domino to fall so that then, you know, and so I just feel like the Sunday gathering, you know, and we see that in scriptures, we're forgetful people. And so that yeah. it anchors us for the rest of the week. And then we go again to be reminded and, and again and again. So Good. I love that. Thank you, Ray. Yeah. You know, I, it just reminds me of a study I heard about years ago that researched how how was it that some Christian young people went on to devoted, active, like all-in Christian living and others didn't? Mm-hmm. One of the variables that made a difference was whether or not the parents of those kids got them involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. And if it was it was the parents recruiting the kids for service and ministry and witness that radicalized mm-hmm. the kids in a really healthy way. That's good. Well, speaking of kids, I know that your family has actually, your kids have accomplished so much publicly for the kingdom of God. I'm sure you could speak to all four of them and and the way you've seen the Lord work in their lives. But I think of um, the book Gentle and Lowly that is still like, a, it's like a number one seller. And it is it was such a blessing to me. And then your son Gavin's ministry, he's got such a prominent ministry. And so getting to see kind of a, a third generation of the Ortlands, maybe it goes back even further than that. But I just wonder for you, as a as a dad, how does it sit with you getting to see your family make significant contributions, leading well, seeing the Lord really move in the hearts of your kids? We hear all the time from parents that we talk a lot on this podcast to the young parent with the young kids, but you're getting to see your grown kids pursue the Lord and lead others. How how is that for you? Yeah, I'm I'm astounded. <laughs> uh, it is all of grace. Mm-hmm. There, we all know there's no formula. Yeah, you, you, you don't. This is not an assembly line. Right. Uh, this is this is all miracle, ongoing miracles of grace. Our daughter Krista, uh, in the Chicago area with her husband, is is a magnificent mother, nurturing these incredibly impressive children. <laughs> She sent, she sent me a video the other day of our granddaughter playing Beethoven on the piano. <laughs> I, I, it was gorgeous. <laughs> and, and, and our son, Eric, he lives over in London mm-hmm. uh, with his uh, precious wife and, and two children. And he's teaching Old Testament at Oak Hill Theological College. By the way, anybody who wants great theological education, how about a world-class seminary 
in the most interesting city in the world. Oh, come yeah. on. I love London. Yeah. Yeah. I might go. I never went to seminary. I'd love to go to seminary. <laughs> Let's just stop everything. Yeah. I know. Let's just go to London right now. <laughs> we, you know, I would just want to be the first to say that we as a family have a long way to go. We are not out of the woods yet. We've got plenty of opportunity to totally blow this. So you guys can pray for us that we'll be faithful all the way to the end. Come on. Well, that leads me to my next question and that it can be easy to hear that story of like, you know, where your four kids are and the lives that they're leading. And it might be easy for people to think that y'all are perfect parents. But of course you just said it and we know none of us are perfect parents. So can you think of some times that things didn't go according to plan in the Ortland home and just describe what that was like? Yeah. Well, (laughs) in a way I, it's a great question, but I really don't want to ask, answer it because <laughs> other people are involved. And, sure, sure. and it's about, you know, it's about tender and delicate moments and yeah. even seasons along the way. But one thing that we did think through that I don't regret, and I have many regrets. In fact, I would say at this point in my life, the biggest sort of, the biggest problem I personally face that I'm trying to work through by God's grace is regrets. Hmm. Um, regrets when I was a kid growing up with my parents, regrets with our kids. Mm. I, I'd love to get some do-overs. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know how I feel, but uh, I, the only difference between me and you guys is I've sinned a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God has shown me even more grace and, and he's going to be faithful to you too. Yeah. So we were far from perfect. But one thing I don't regret is Jenny and I did ask the question, what sort of, here we are at this little home, 424 Bush Street, Mountain View, California. How could we, what could we build out here that could make it easier for our kids to believe in God hmm. rather than make it harder for our kids to believe in God? Mm-hmm. And we thought about Exodus 33 when Moses prayed, show, please show me your glory. And God said, yes. And the way he said yes was, yes, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Hmm. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've parachuted into a universe where ultimate reality is the glorious goodness of God. Huh. If that's out there, if that's who God is, and we want our kids, we want to make it as easy as possible for our kids to believe in him then how could we configure a little miniature reality here in our little 950-square-foot house in Mountain View, California? How could we build out a reality here that would be imperfect but credible Hmm. and winsome and attractive as a testimony to the glorious goodness of God. Yeah, that's good. I love that. I I know it's a crazy way to think. but so we. we I love it. We had a lot of good books in the house. Mm-hmm. We, there was uh, we great toys. We had a backyard with a swing and uh, a rope climb un- under the oak tree. And we had, um, we had order and structure in the house. It was not chaotic mm-hmm. and it was not a mess. The, the, we made messes, but then we cleaned them up. Yeah. And we had healthy food. And the kids did not decide what their bedtime was. We were merciful and flexible, but we were the grown-ups in the house. That's good. Yeah. We knew what would benefit them. Yeah. And and so we would, you know, have dinner together, and and then we would go sit on the front couch, the couch in the front room, and read Winnie the Pooh, and 
and then have tubby time and get them in their jammies and pat them to sleep uh, in their in their beds in their cribs and so forth and then just you know, creep out the door and try not to wake oh, them up yeah. <laughs> and sing them to sleep and pray for them and so forth and just do that every night every night every yeah. night every night 24/7 just keep doing it and uh, and that steady I don't regret thinking about it that way That's and good. I don't regret in our own imperfect, flawed way, building out a reality that we felt might actually make it easier for our kids to believe in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. You get to be a pastor uh, to a lot of people and an influence to even more. What would you say to the parent who's really discouraged right now mm-hmm. in their spiritual leadership of the home? <laughs> How would you encourage them? Uh, what parent is not discouraged? Right, mm-hmm. all of us. Yeah, yeah that's it's right. so hard. We all hit a wall and yeah. we all fail. And then our, our kids let us down too. Yeah. Well, I would say I'm so thankful for those three words in Romans chapter six, newness of life. I see so much hope there. Hmm. We're not stuck with the reality hmm. that we're experiencing right now. So I would say, ask the Lord, if you feel stuck, if you feel like there's some sort of blockage and family life isn't working, and you're sort of colliding and, and stepping on each other. You don't want it. Nobody wants it that way. Mm-hmm. Why not ask the Lord, okay, I need your help here. What is keeping me from newness of life? Where am I stuck? There's something I believe that just isn't true and isn't wise and isn't life-giving. But for some reason, I'm, I'm, I, I'm devoted to that some crazy false belief, some passion that I've given my heart to that's not helping. It's just yeah. not helping at all. Something in me is slightly crazy. Guys, we're all a little crazy. That's what I've been telling Eric, my husband. (laughs) Okay, what version of crazy is holding me back when I'm at home at this point in my life? I think that's always a fruitful question to ask and to pray about. Lord, help me see myself. And for me to say to Jenny, honey, help me see myself. Who of us can't ask that question? That is, that, Mm -hmm. that question, the help me see myself question that is a threshold into newness of life. That's good. That's really good. Ray, I want to talk for a second about church again. I know you mentioned, you talked about growing up as a pastor's kid. Your kids grew up as pastor's kids. And I want to talk about, we, we, we often mention how churches can help kids, but I know the kind of the notorious story of the pastor's kid is the one where they, they tend towards rebellion or the kid grows up kind of despising the church because of uh, the competition they might feel between their, their parents and or their dad and, mm-hmm. and uh, their own attention. I'm just wondering, how did you navigate that as a man? I'm asking really personally, but I know that there's others out there that want to know this too. I, I, I love that you were able to admire your father, both in his ministry, in his pulpit and in his home. What did you learn from that experience? What, what should we be trying to avoid and what should we be pursuing that maybe we can all learn from? Yeah, very interesting. I would answer that at two levels down at the deep level that's almost, it's so easy not to notice the glorious thing that's happening. When a family is in church every Sunday and 18 years go by, Hmm. and typically a kid is at home for like, you know, maybe 18 years, that's amazing. 
Yeah. And there's this deep, foundational, profound investment built into that kid. Now, when the kid is 14, 15, whatever, he might be totally rejecting and so forth. But that kid is going to grow up having heard the Bible thousands of times. Yeah. Having sung hymns and songs thousands of times, having declared the Apostles' Creed thousands and so forth, the Lord's Prayer. And God is faithful to that commitment. Yeah. It cannot be, it can't be taken away. It's too deep. And it will bear fruit in later years. And when a child who does not respect and appreciate what's being given to him in his teen years, for example, and what teenager does adequately, you know, appreciate what's happening. Right. Nevertheless, when that child is then 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, and the parents are by then with the Lord in glory, that child will be strengthened and inspired and helped by those memories of the early years to his dying day. Yeah. And that child, when he's 60, 65, 70 years old, there will be times of intense need and pain, sorrow and loss. Mm -hmm. When that person will take recourse to those memories of those early years of investment and will be moved to tears by memories, not only of that church, but of dad and mom, who even when we, when we were teenagers, when we rejected what they said and we rejected what they believed, we couldn't ignore what they said. We couldn't not, we couldn't forget what they Mm -hmm. were and what our parents were faithfully through those years will bear fruit and be not ignorable in those years when it's really going to make a difference. So that's, that's at the deep level. Then the other thing is just one thing here's, for, for instance, my dad said to me at the more observable level, he said to me once, okay, bud, sometimes it, it might happen at church that somebody will say something to you that's really dumb and really unwise. I mean, yeah. as if you're supposed to be perfect or something, and yeah. they just don't understand what it's like to be a kid. Yeah. And I just want you to know when somebody says something unwise and foolish, you can just blow it off. It's okay. Gosh, you don't that's have good. To be, that is, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, because it's inevitable that someone's going to say something, you know, especially for pastor kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. One thing I really wanted to ask you about, Ray, you just came out with a book addressing pornography. We just did an episode on this, uh, not the book specifically, but on the topic specifically. I wish we'd done well, Why didn't you do an book. episode on the book for crying I, out loud? I'll tell you right now, Ray, <laughs> I love the book. <laughs> I thought the book, it was such a, it was such a different take than, I've read a lot of books addressing from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. the issue of pornography. And yours was so pastoral and fatherly and intentionally so, and so loving and full of grace and just calling us to a better story, not just... Not another book of strategies and tips and shame, but a book of just calling us to something better. I, I just love to hear if you could share your heart a little bit why that was such an important thing that you felt like you needed to address and how that intersects with Christian homes today. What, where did you see that? Where did you see that need and why'd you write it? Yeah, thanks, Adam. And I really appreciate your sensitivity to what the way I was trying to go about it because mm-hmm. I, I don't believe anybody is helped just by being yelled at. No, you know, and belittled. Um, we're helped when we're treated with dignity and grace. I think that's how Jesus does it. So I tried to do that in the book, but I did this because uh, through the years as a pastor, I just came to realize that this one 
thing keeps holding men back. Yeah. These magnificent guys in their 20s and 30s and so forth, they're just poised to have such a killer life, a consequential life, yeah. a fruitful a life of lasting impact and so forth. But something, this one thing, pornography, hollows out their confidence. And instead of standing tall in dignity, sometimes they're groveling. Mm. And then they hate themselves and they spiral down into shame. And just it just goes from bad to worse. And that really hacks me off. Because yeah. these guys matter. Yeah. And, and every girl and every woman on that horrible website, she, she is precious in the sight of God. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't hate her. He just cherishes her. And we should feel the same way. We should feel protective of her. Yes. And I believe every man, every relationship is either Christ-like or predatory. Mm. There is no neutrality. And we need to face that. Because every man has dignity, every every woman has dignity and glory upon her from God. I have no right to degrade myself. Yeah. I have no right to degrade anybody else. I am sent into history at this time, uh, in this place, to represent the king of grace in a broken world. And... Every man is born into this world with that sacred and glorious commission. And I just want to help. I just want to say, oh, brother, do you realize who you are? Do you realize how amazing you are? And how significant and how God created you for impact. God created you to be a liberator. You know, we look back on the days of slavery in, in America, which wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And we see three human profiles in the America of slavery. We see slaveholders and slave traders, right? They've, they've bought into that predatory wickedness. Mm. We see silent onlookers who just shrug their shoulders and say, well, I guess that's the way it is. And we see active liberators. Now, we've got a slave trade going on in the world today. Who are we going to be? Yeah. And every one of us longs to be uh, a joyous, godly, active liberator. Come on. Yeah. And God, that is God's call in every man. Let's go do it. Right. You have me in tears over here, man. Um, I feel so pastored by you. Thank you. Yeah. Before yeah. we let you go, uh, you've been so faithful with this time that you've afforded us. Would you mind just sharing with us how we could bless you, how our listeners might pray for your family, what they can ask God for on your behalf? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Oh, it's, it's so simple. <laughs> Two things. One, Lord, keep us close to your heart. And secondly, Lord, keep us far from sin. Amen. I just want to die with my integrity, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just want to die walking with God and being a faithful husband and father and servant of the Lord in this generation. So you can pray for me, for Janny, for our kids, our grandchildren. And uh, it, it's not fancy. It doesn't have to be fancy. It shouldn't be fancy. Just uh, pray that, that we will stay close to Jesus yeah. and we will stay far from sin. We will. We will pray, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God for you, Ray. 
Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts, visiting one of our sponsors, and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you listeners. We'll be back next week with more great stuff, and we'll see you then.